Hey friends, I hope you're all staying as safe and healthy and comfortable as possible, and that you're taking care of all the people and plants that are important to you. This past week I started the final complete edit of my 2022 novel, The Peeper and the Playwright. When I say complete edit, I mean I go through the manuscript line by line, page by page, from beginning to end, making any and all corrections needed. This will be the twelfth time I've done this. I worked on the story the entire month of November 2021, and just about every single day since January 1st, 2022. The Peeper and the Playwright will be my 10th published novel. I'm hopeful that it will be available for purchase worldwide in both paperback and ebook formats sometime in August. I'm very proud of the story. It's maybe the most allegorical tale I've ever told. I can't wait to put it out into the world. I hope you'll read it, and I hope you love it. Folks, you're listening to the People Are the Enemy podcast. I'm the host of the show. My name is Andy Mascola. In addition to hosting this weekly program, I'm a senior writer for the music blog Surviving the Golden Age and a self-published novelist. There are no ads on People Are the Enemy, and there is no Patreon set up for it. The only thing I've ever asked of listeners is if you love the show and if you'd like to help support it and myself monetarily and get yourself or the reader in your life some quality fiction, please consider purchasing any or all of my books. I'm the author of nine novels that are all currently available worldwide in both paperback and ebook formats via Amazon. And if you like ebooks but you don't use Amazon, you can find all nine of my titles in ebook format at Google Play. Just type my last name, M A S C O L A. That's how you'll find me on Google Play. If you prefer paperbacks but you don't use Amazon, you can find most of my novels at barnesandnoble.com, bn.com if you're tight on time. If you've already purchased any or all of my books, thank you, thank you, thank you. I sincerely appreciate your generous patronage. And with all that out of the way, here's the quirky theme song. Mother effers, did you miss me? I've been home since 2020. I've been twerking and making smoothies. It's called healing, and I feel better since you've seen me last. I've been training, I can flex that ass. So when I shake it, I can shake it fast. Make that camera flash, camera flash, camera flash. Hello, people at the enemy listeners. This is episode 237 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out. Thank you for spending time with me. You're in the right place. Holy moly, why would you listen to anything else? You know what that opening was? That high mother effers? Oh, that's the new Lizzo. Yeah, I love Lizzo. Holy moly. I was out yesterday running some errands, and uh, and I stopped at a record store, and I picked up the new Lizzo album. It's It's like, there's only a few musicians and like artists, you know, I say musicians, meaning artists, bands that, uh, that myself, my wife and my daughter, all three of us will enjoy. One of them is Lizzo. So when there's a new Lizzo, I'll pick it right up. 
uh, because we all seem to appreciate it. And I'll pick it up in CD format. You know, I say pick it up. I went to a record store and I actually bought it. You know, I bought a physical copy. Because what I'll do is I'll, I'll put it on an iPod that I keep on a speaker in the kitchen so we can all enjoy the music. And then I'll put it on my phone and my wife's phone and my daughter's phone. Don't tell Lizzo this. And then my wife will take the CD and she'll listen to it in her car while she's driving around. And uh, yeah, it basically makes the rounds and, and everybody gets it. And, you know... And they got a little physical, physical, uh, uh, to totem, little token, right? <laughs> you know, you got this little artifact, you know, with the lyrics and the photos and everything else. And I'm a CD collector. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Gen Xer, so I come from the, uh, you know, the world of physical medium that I'm, I'm used to. I do do digital. I still do digital. There's so, some, some music you can only get in, in digital format. And uh, I am not against that at all. You know, I do lots of digital music on Bandcamp. I sincerely... Uh, Try to appreciate all the formats. And speaking of format, though, this is crazy. And I'll tell you, you know that that major label cassette culture has gotten completely out of control. First of all, like I, I kind of was feeling that it was going in that direction when I found a um, uh, Arcade Fire cassette, brand new, in a record store for fifteen dollars. I was like, what? Fifteen dollars? Are you kidding me for a cassette? That's bonkers, and I understand it's a collectible, they're limited prints, you know, I mean, but come on, man, you know what I mean? But I suppose it's like, all right, well, you know, you're going to pay $15 for this arcade, new, uh, brand new Arcade Fire album on cassette, and I guess, yeah, like I said, there's probably only maybe a thousand of those things made and whatnot, maybe it'll be collectible for Arcade Fire fans and Arcade Fire completists, whoever those people are. <laughs> no, I like some of their stuff, you know, it's not all bad. I'm not a huge fan. Anyway, uh, but, uh, but you know, and, and then I thought, like, you could justify it. Because, like, yeah, you pay $15 for an Arcade Fire CD, I imagine. But the, 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 the point being, like, with the CD, like I said, you, you, can, you can, it's digital, so you can put it onto a laptop, and then you can put it on devices, you know, and then walk around and enjoy it everywhere you go, you know. And then you can listen to it in your car, you know, because, well, most cars, at least most cars in New England, I know that... Uh, our cars are, have a, a shorter lifespan than most cars on the road these days, but you're not, you'll, you'd be hard-pressed to find a, a car with a cassette, a cassette player in it. <laughs> most, but most cars still have CD. I shouldn't say most cars. Most used cars or, or cars that have been on the road for at least like seven or eight years now have, um, have CDs and players in them, so you could enjoy it in that. So, I don't know. Take that for what it's worth. But here, here's my point about why cassette culture, I think, now has hit its apex in terms of... Um, major record labels um, really cashing in and it getting completely out of control. This new Lizzo CD, I paid, I paid $9.99 for it, okay, at my, at my local record store. So that, that's, that's fair, brand new CD, $9.99, I think that's really, you know, and, it's, and that's, that's priced, you know, considerably cheaper. A lot of the new CDs will go for $12.99, even $14.99, as I mentioned. Uh, with Lizzo, I'm sure, you know, they're, they're trying to make this album a number one and, and sell as many copies as possible so it's priced reasonably so so impulse shoppers will will purchase it you know and, and it was an impulse buy for me it's not something that i went out and looked for i just saw it and i said oh yeah i love lizzo and my wife loves lizzo and uh, my daughter loves lizzo and the whole family will enjoy this album i know it'll get played and i know we'll we'll enjoy it and listen to it and so i, I picked it up but here's the thing 9.99 okay so I went to Lizzo's website today because I'm saying, well, what other formats is this this record being sold in? And of course, you know, 
uh, it's being sold in vinyl now, right? And it and it's priced accordingly because vinyl is is collectible and it's printed on different different shades of vinyl. And there's only you know limited prints of this, and they're twenty five dollars. And of course, it's a larger format. You've probably got a nice nice booklet in there, you know, a nice full size. I'm assuming like a a full size twelve by twelve book in there. Okay, <laughs> okay. So Lizzo CDs priced on her website exactly the same as they were priced in the store here in the U.S., $9.99, right, or $10. Lizzo Cassette, get ready for this. Lizzo Cassette, this new album called Special, it's called Special, by the way, um, Cassette, $21. Are you ready for that? $21 for a cassette. No, that's not, you know, that's not cassette and digital album. No, that's, ju that's just the cassette. That's just the cassette. It twice more than twice as much as the CD. Can you imagine? Unreal. Now again, I have to imagine these are limited prints. They're probably like, I'm sure there's Lizzo completists out there who will buy this album in every format just to say they've got it, you know, because she's got a rabid fan base and rightfully so. She's a very talented person. Um, but I, I just thought to myself, man, this is only a major label could get away with this. This is this is bonkers. Twenty one dollars for a cassette, unreal, man. That's just it's just four, that's four dollars less than the vinyl. Can you believe that? Crazy, right? And now, like, and, and I know comparatively, and I say major labels are are out of control with this because, you know, like I said, I'm on Bandcamp. I'll buy physical media sometimes on Bandcamp. I'll buy a cassette, you know, a limited run cassette from a band that maybe only prints 25, 50 cassettes. And they'll give you the Bandcamp digital version of the album, too. So you get, like, a cassette. It's like a little token of it, and it's a limited print. I've done this plenty of times. But their cassettes on, you know, from these indie labels or indie bands are are much more reasonably priced. Usually between, like, 6 and $8. If it's over $8, it's like, whoa, that's... You're asking a bit much there, plus the shipping. So you're talking about $13, $14 for a cassette. And then, then at that point, I say, oh, I don't know if it's worth it, you know. At that point, I'll say, oh, I'll just get a CD, you know. But, um, but that's me. Anyway, uh, new Lizzo album, by the way, it's fantastic. It's it's great. I uh, I have been listening to it nonstop since I picked it up yesterday afternoon, and uh, I'm thoroughly thoroughly enjoying the record. Anyway, but uh, <laughs> but but again, look look if if you're if you're a Lizzo completist, if you if you if you if you love what she does and you need to have this new album in every format, God bless you. But you're gonna pay through the nose, in my opinion. It's a, it's a little bit little bit pricey. Hey, new Crackhead Barney. Uh, do you guys want to hear this? This is so much fun. I um, Crackhead Barney is this um, this artist in New York City. She is a, um, a performance artist who tends to crash uh, political events. And she was out uh, right after the, the, the Roe v. Wade being overturned, where there was a lot of media on the streets, and she was uh, harassing the media. And it was wonderful. And uh, I want you to check it out. Here's, here's Crackhead Barney. And I'm going to I'm going to walk you through this so you understand what's happening. But uh, here she is right now. Check this out. Do you want an interview? Excuse us, please. Look, we're trying to do something. But well, you guys want to know about opinions on Roe v. Wade, right? We, we, we're good. We, we're Spanish. We don't... Okay. <laughs> All right. Let me let me set the set. Let me set this up for you. So uh, Crackhead Barney is wearing like a um, um, it looks like a bikini tank top. Right. And it's uh, a very beautiful woman. Um, red bikini tank top and white shorts. She's got um, uh, like a fetus dangling between her legs. <laughs> like, 
as if it's on an umbilical cord and like coming directly from her crotchal region in these white they, they I called them shorts but it looks more like a diaper like a cloth diaper and uh, uh she's accosting these two men who have a this beautiful camera set up here who look like to be recording something and of course they don't want anything to do with her and in English they say we're Spanish <laughs> And she's dying to be interviewed by them. Okay, here we go. So this is going to be... It's a little compilation of, of her accosting different uh, media personalities on the street. No, nothing. Not, no known personalities. Not, nobody that you'd know. Just local local New York media, most likely. Here, I'm going to continue. But she's got a microphone in her hand. And she's trying to get these folks to uh, to talk with her. Public, I have a white p*** in my mouth. What? <laughs> that might be my favorite favorite non sequitur. She just says out of randomly, I have a white penis in my mouth. <laughs> like, what does that got to do with anything? Oh my god. Oh my god, here she goes. And these men at this point are turning their back to her. They're just they, they don't want anything to do with her. And there's a lot of people on the street here. Listen, here she goes. I have a white penis in my mouth. Okay, now she's <laughs> Okay, now she's running up to to a woman reporter who's dressed look like she's ready to be on camera. She's standing next to a man in a suit who also looks like he's camera ready and she wants to be interviewed by them. Why should we? Why should we cuz look at me. I'm amazing. I'm fucking amazing. If you're not interviewing me, then who the fuck are you getting? Why are they not interview? Are you like with the network? No. What the this has to be either racism or some type of like monopoly on information. If you're not interviewing me, who the f is interviewing Jacob? Have you heard him play cello before? I f***ed him for 10 years. I had At this point, she's sitting, she looks like she's sitting on like a little concrete wall and she's kind of dangling the baby between her legs and she's talking to this woman and saying, Why aren't you interviewing me? Again, another woman. Uh, it, the clip has changed again, and the woman says, "Are you interview? Uh, why don't you interview Jacob? Have you heard him play cello?" And she says, "I've, I've, I've, I've I effed him for ten years." And Jacob, I guess, is the cameraman because <laughs> I guess the woman is pointing at the like Crackhead Barney's cameraman, and Crackhead Barney is, I guess, had saying that she's had a sexual relationship with her cameraman for ten years. You've heard him play the cello in my mouth on a, in the morning. I don't understand, everybody. You're <laughs> Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, but media press don't want to do this. They're running from this. Do you want to? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! I love Crackhead Barney. I would love to talk with Crackhead Barney. I saw Scott Dolan, who I think I mentioned this uh, past guest of this show. Um. Says he's had run-ins with Crackhead Barney. He's DM'd with Crackhead Barney. And uh, he recently posted a beautiful black and white photo of Crackhead Barney on the street. I think she had her microphone in her hand and she looks like she's ready to accost somebody. But she's just, she's so funny in my opinion. And obviously loves to harass the media and loves to um, kind of shake things up and be absurd. And kind of just, it kind of just exposes the absurdity of everything. Uh, what does, uh, I have a white penis in my mouth, like, like when you're literally just walking around. <laughs> like, people are going to be like stunned by that. Unreal, man. You know Jimmy Kimmel took the whole summer off? Can you believe this guy? You know who Jimmy Kimmel is, right? You know Jimmy Kimmel Live, the, 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 the show, the, uh, 
the uh, late night talk show host, and I, I enjoy Jimmy Kimmel. I, I, I am not trying to say that he doesn't deserve to take the whole summer off. I'm saying that's that's a that's quite a move, and he's got he's got these other folks uh, standing in. He had that the fella from Will and Grace. I don't know uh, what that guy's name is. Sean something, I guess. And then he had Anthony Anderson uh, be a, a guest host. And these 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 folks are are doing their best. He had a uh, Chelsea Handler. I always thought like Chelsea Handler would make like a great late night host. And I know a lot of folks when when one of the jobs opened up um, for a late night host in America, people were saying, "Why don't you get Chelsea Handler?" And I just remember Chelsea Handler saying, "Like, why would I want to do that? That <laughs> is, it's so much work." <laughs> It was like, oh man, maybe, maybe she's right. But I, I honestly thought that she was always pretty astute and pretty funny, and thought uh, she would do a good job. As you know, and there's not a lot of women in the late night game. There's, I don't know, are there any women in the late night talk show host in America game? The, obviously, a lot of women in the afternoon uh, media, you know, afternoon television for whatever reason. And then late night has always been like for fellas for whatever reason, you know. Uh, you know, I think the closest we ever came in America to a late night host that was a lady was Joan Rivers, right? When she'd do the Tonight Show, and then she had a whole war with Johnny Carson because she was her popularity was picking up. Unreal, man. Unreal. I, you know, in speaking of speaking of women, um, I didn't know <laughs> I was going to talk about this, but uh, I'll mention this briefly. I, uh, I mentioned a an, uh, a run in I'd had with somebody a fella at the gym about uh, him telling me how he didn't like women writers. And he mentioned Virginia Woolf and he mentioned um, uh, Margaret Atwood and how he thought that she was quote unquote trash <laughs> and that he doesn't we read women writers. And this just happened to be because I was at the gym on the bike reading uh, the new Sloan Crossley book. I say Sloan Crossley. I don't know if it's Crossley or Crossley. Um, it's it's quite good, by the way. It's called cult classic. Anyway, I I posted this on social media, and um, a couple people thought I was lying, and uh, I it upset me because I don't lie. It's one thing I I don't do. I you know I I got caught lying a couple times when I was very young, and uh, my father could always tell when I was lying. <laughs> so it's just like this is pointless. <laughs> it catches me every time. So I just I just stopped and I never did again. And I don't I don't lie. I don't I just don't do it. And uh when somebody suggested that I was lying, and I'm not even gonna mention this person's name, um, because because to hell with them. They don't they don't deserve uh they don't deserve to have their name spoken on the show. They don't deserve any more publicity. Um But you could probably find it on Twitter if you're looking for it. These this um this person and what they said. Um, but yeah, just so you know, I don't, I don't lie. I, that actually happened with a Israeli, uh, Israeli colleague, I'll say, at the, uh, the YMCA that I go to every morning. He saw me reading Sloan Crossley's book, Crossley, and he, uh, he mentioned that, um, he doesn't read women writers, and he started citing specific examples, and I offered to provide him with a list, because I, I, there's a lot of women authors I enjoy. I can name I can name three right now. I, I'll name Sloane Crossley. I'll name Virginie Despentes. I've read pretty much everything except one of her books. Um, shoot, I love if you like nonfiction. I love Sarah Vowell. I can't recommend her enough. Hell, you want to talk? You want to talk great, great um, literature, great fiction. Miranda July is incredible. You know. But here's the other point. Here's another point I'll make about this. Like, 
if I gave, if I read that guy like a chapter of any novel, any fiction, how the hell would he know whether it was written by a man or a woman? He wouldn't. So that the whole thing is baloney. Like the whole, I, I don't, I don't read women. How the hell would you know? You know? Crazy man. And it's just that you know, I just it, it's obviously it's obviously sexist and chauvinistic. Um, I think, but um, to each his own, I suppose. And guess what? You don't read if you're not reading if you like have excised all women writers from from your library and will not re will not read women writers. You're missing out. You really are because there's there's some great great female authors out there. And again, if these if these women wrote under a pseudonym, you know. How would you know? You wouldn't. So, so change your heart, you dingus. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was thinking of this. This too. This is uh, something I wanted to to talk about. My wife, my wife was listening to the podcast. I say listening to it. I played it for her. I said, "Can I play you my latest episode?" And I'll tell you. And I've said this before. I am so proud of this show. I love this show. I make this show every week. By the way, if you're a new listener, I've never missed a week. So every, every January 1st, 2018 was when I posted the first episode of this show. Okay, this podcast. I have never missed missed a week. I suppose that's kind of why it irritates me that uh, Jimmy Kimmel took the whole summer off. I, I, know, I kind of like stopped talking about that. But, you know, when, and again... I guess if if Jimmy Jimmy Kimmel could take the whole summer off, still get paid, and still like keep his his uh, his viewership, God bless him. I guess good for you. I don't. I can't imagine what I do with what twelve weeks. What would I do with all that time? Like, what is he doing? God knows. But uh, I suppose good for him. Good for Jimmy, and good for him for letting other folks, you know, uh, try their hand at uh, at late night. You know, um, I guess I don't know. I was gonna say. All right, sorry. I'm getting off track here. Anyway, I've done this show faithfully. Every week I've posted at least at least one new episode of this show a week since January 1st, 2018. And uh, of course I'm proud of it. And of course I listen to it. Like I said, and I've said this before, I listen to my own podcast more than I listen to anybody else's. I, I don't know if that's conceited. I think I just put on a good show, and I like I like the stuff I talk about, and and I, you know I I enjoy listening to I guess I just enjoy listening to myself. Maybe that's ego, maybe that's arrogant. I don't know. I I, I feel like this is the best podcast, one of the best podcasts out there. Honestly, do, and uh, I'm so proud of it. But anyway, I was playing the podcast for my wife, and it was only within like the last year that I put my books up on Google Play as eBooks. And I've been saying that little, you know, that little rhyme scheme, you know, that the, you hear in the monologue, you know, uh, just type my last name, M-A-S-C-O-L-A. -S That's how you'll find me on Google Play. And my wife just cringed when she heard that. And she said, she said, she said, Andy, I hate that. <laughs> she said, she said, I hate that. And I was like, you do? And I said, you know, I thought it would be catchy, you know, like this way for people to remember. And, you know, if they're browsing books, they'll be like, oh, yeah, M-A-S-C-O-L-A. That's how you'll find him on Google Play. And then <laughs> type my last name in, you know, and maybe they'll buy one of my books, you know. But, yeah, she said she did She did not like it. But regardless, I'm not taking it out. I feel like it's, you know, you need something. And, you know, there's not too many things I can do that with. My last name is Mascola. <laughs> you know. You know what I mean? It's not like a super catchy last name. You can't make it like, it's not like a pun, I suppose. I suppose I could do something with Coca-Cola, but I'm not selling soda. <laughs>
so I'll keep doing it. I don't know. Oh, boy, oh, boy. You guys in therapy? <laughs> I know I've talked about therapy before. I go, I go, I go every two weeks now to therapy. And, and anytime my therapist, and when I say therapy, I mean, I'm sitting down, I'm talking to somebody, I'm telling this person about my problems, and she's giving me advice on, on my problem. And any advice my therapist gives, I will do, man. And one thing that I've had a tendency to do when I'm angry with people, when somebody wrongs me, I ice them out. Man, I will, I will, <laughs> I said the F word, I will ice them out, man. I will freeze them out. Like, you've wronged me until you apologize, until you realize what you've done, I'm freezing you out. You're no, like, I am like, there's no communication from me coming to you if you've wronged me. That's, that's just the way I, I've been. That's the way I've handled things. I've always felt that it was like, I always felt that like, um, trying to have the last word or complaining about like, well, you treated me, bit, 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 was whining and, and, uh, kind of, um, kind of, kind of felt like weak. Does that make sense? But my therapist said, Andy, no, that's not weak. That's the mature thing to do. The mature thing to do when somebody upsets you is to speak from the heart and say, hey, uh, it really hurt me when you did this to me. And try to tell them that, you know, that you felt that they made you feel bad. <laughs> that's not something I'm used to doing. And people have done this to me. And every time somebody's done this to me, and they've done it to me, like, because I've, I've heard people unintentionally, and they've come back and they say, hey, Andy, you know, when you said this to me, that time we, when we were hanging out, it really bothered me. And I'll go back and, and I'll say to myself, my God, I don't even remember, but I'm so, so sorry. And you're my friend and I don't want to hurt you again. And, um, and I promise I'll try never to do that again. And, and honestly, that's what I'll do. But it's not the kind of person that I am to, to do that to somebody else to say, hey, it really hurt me when you blah, blah, blah. But my therapist said, that's the mature thing to do. And uh, they, she said, you know, you can ice somebody out and you can freeze them out and not communicate with them. But um, that's like being a child, Andy. And it's really not helping anybody. Or, you know, that person doesn't learn their lesson and nothing gets improved and nothing gets resolved. So in, my, when, in talking to my therapist about a situation where something happened recently with a friend where that person did hurt me. And I just said, well, hell with them. I'm just icing them out. Um... And I told my therapist about this, and she explained that you need to, to communicate to this person how they made you feel. Well, I did. I did. I, I, picked up, I picked up my phone, and I wrote this person a text. <laughs> and I tried to do... And it was hard, man. It was hard for me, man. Like, I had to, like, literally, like, sit there and say, Okay, um, when uh, you didn't do this, it made me feel like... You know what I mean? And I'm saying it, and I'm putting it down there. And I'm, 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 speaking, I'm speaking honestly, and I'm not coming from a place of anger. I'm just coming from a place of like hurt and uh, embarrassed because that was part in part how I felt about the situation. And um, and then I ended it with something like, because I missed this person's birthday. I said, um, and I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't say happy birthday on your birthday because, uh, but I was still angry with you. And uh, I hope, regardless, I really hope you had a nice birthday. And so I put, you know, a nice ending. You know what I got from the person? Nothing. <laughs> nothing. They didn't get back. Nothing came back to me. There was no, oh, I'm really, I'm really sorry you felt that way. I didn't realize, blah, blah, blah. Nothing. I got nothing back. And now I don't know how to feel about it. Like, I guess, like, I guess I have to feel like, well, you did the right thing and you were mature and, and that's what matters. But, but in all honesty, I feel, again, I feel like that weird weakness that like, oh, you hurt me. And, you know, it's like, 
And I understand. I, all right. I understand it's not weakness to tell somebody how you feel and they can't correct their behavior unless they know they hurt you. But, but, um, yeah, man. So I'm just trying to move on from that situation. Anyway, I hate to leave this on a bummer note. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, what else can I tell you? I don't know. Hey, it's, I hope you have a great week. I hope you're, you, honestly, it's, it's mid-July. Gosh, it's hot. I, it's, I'm recording this in the morning early because it's going to be super hot today. And I, I, I will not mow the lawn because I, I, after that, <laughs> what can I tell you? All right, here, you know what I can tell you? Check out the new Lizzo album. It'll make you happy. Honestly, it'll make you feel good. And uh, I'm going to hand over things to our friend, Rachel from Des Moines right now. And she is going to inform you of the charts. And uh, here is Rachel from Des Moines with the chart chat. Take it away, Rachel. Thanks, Andy. Hello, and welcome back to Rachel's Chart Chat for another week. Thanks to everyone who listened last week. I got a nice message from Tavy, and she said she had just ran into the Breakfast Club in a Trivial Pursuit question. Uh, so unfortunately, my timing was a little bit off there. But uh, I also got some nice messages from John, a.k.a. Graham Friday, including a memory of seeing Cheap Trick on Pink Lady and Jeff. Uh, while his mom was less than enthused by that show's hot tub time at the end of each ep. So to all the listeners, please keep those memories of the songs and artists coming. Getting into the chart picks, we're starting off with July 10th of 1971. And at number 91, we have I've Found Someone of My Own by The Free Movement. And uh, this song would make it all the way up to number 5, and it was kind of their only hit. The Free Movement was an R&B vocal group from Los Angeles, and they were as a male-female mixed group, so kind of uh, similar to The Fifth Dimension. For this one, I, I really love the chorus, and I'm honestly curious if anyone thinks, if you can say that you like a song, if you only like the chorus. Listen to this one and see what you think. This is actually a single they put out first, and then they had a full album later. At number 70 is Mozart Symphony Number no. 40 in G Minor, First Movement, by Waldo de los Rios. And he was an Argentinian musician and arranger, and put out an album called Symphonies for the 70s, and this was on there. Uh, it's at number 70 this week. It'll make it to number 67. And in my opinion, it kind of prefigured that uh, Walter Murphy fifth of Beethoven song. At number 56, we have the James Gang with Walk Away. And this would make it to number 51. Uh, the James Gang is known for being one of Joe Walsh's early bands. To me, when I listen to Walk Away, it feels very ahead of its time. Like I was surprised to hear it on this 71 chart. And you may also know James Gang from their song Funk 49. At number 34, we have the Isley Brothers with their cover of Stephen Stills' Love the One You're With. This would eventually make it to number 18. So I read up on this cover, and it was actually from an album of covers the Isley Brothers did called Giving It Back. And it was inspired by the white artists that had done covers of their songs like Shout and Twist and Shout. So this is all different covers of songs originally done by white artists. And this one is really great cover. I really love it. Um, and just of note, there, Stephen Stills and Graham Nash also appear on this chart, and their stuff is back on Spotify, and so is Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Uh, still no Neil Young solo. Oh, and I read that the Free Movement had also covered Love the One You're With. At number 16, we have the Bee Gees with How Can You Mend a Broken Heart? And this would eventually go on to be number number one. This was their first number one hit in the U.S., and just of note, the Bee Gees have been charting on the U.S. Hot 100 since 1967. 
And I feel like I really need to watch their documentary that was on HBO to learn more about their stuff, especially their early career. But they had really been going for a long time before the whole Saturday Night Fever thing. At number 14, we have Dragon the Line by Tommy James. This would eventually make it to number four. And this was post uh, him, you know, solo without the Shondells. And this was one that I remember hearing on KIOA as a kid. And kind of to the contrast with Walk Away, I would assume this was a much older song than 71. But it just has a great sound and always happy to hear this one. And finally, from the 70s this week, we have the song Treat Her Like a Lady by Cornelius Brothers and Sister Rose. And number three was as high as this one would get. I think I first came to really appreciate this one from being in the Anchorman opening credits. And it's fitting that it was an Anchorman because of how Ron Burgundy talks about forming a family band. And they really were the brothers uh, Carter, Eddie, and their sister Rose that uh, formed the group. And they also had a number two hit with It's Too Late to Turn Back Now. And this is one that I think some people might criticize the lyrics. Strange as it seems, you can't treat a woman mean. But the trick is just to not care about the lyrics and just think about how cool the music part of it sounds. Uh, turning to the 80s this week, we're going to July 12th of 1980. And there is truly so much good stuff to choose from on this chart. I could have done another def- different 10 tracks easily. Um, starting off at number 92, on its way down from a peak of 39 is Blondie with their song Atomic. Surprisingly to me, this was a number one hit in the UK, but as you see, it barely cracked the top 40 here in the States. And I read that this was their attempt to follow up, uh, have a song that would match uh, Heart of Glass or be like Heart of Glass. I think this might be a lesser known one, at least in the States. I I shouldn't say, I guess knowing that's number one in the UK, but it's another great one from them. Really cool sound. At number 89, we have ZZ Top with Cheap Sunglasses. And that was as high as it would get. Maybe people know this one. I'm not sure. I feel like I'm always like... uh, I feel like I'm always pushing the ZZ Top agenda, but I just love their... This is off a 1979 album, so we'll call it some of their 70s stuff. And if you'll notice, if you play Hurdle, LaGrange turned up on the Hurdle. So maybe you hear this one, you, know, you can get it if they ever put cheap sunglasses on there. I think it's funny because it's got a great sound and it's got a little bit of humor in there. At number 77, uh, we have It Hurts Too Much by Eric Carmen. And you may know him as the lead singer of the Raspberries and also from his uh, solar stuff like All By Myself and Make Me Lose Control. And I like this one uh, because of the castanets. And it kind of reminds me of that uh, Knack song, Can't Put a Price on Love, uh, but with a faster tempo. And this would make eventually make it to number 75. At number 75 this week is Save Me by Dave Mason. And this would eventually get to number 71. And this one has a great sound, very yachty, um, and kind of just an tempo funky sound. And I was listening to it, and I was like, that sounds like Michael Jackson. And I read that Michael Jackson really did do backing vocals on this song. Um, he was recording Triumph with his family at the same time Dave Mason was in the studio recording this album. And he asked Dave asked him to appear on the track, and he did. And the Song Facts website helpfully points out that uh, the Jackson 5 had covered Feelin' Alright, which Dave Mason wrote while he was in Traffic. And that was originally done by Traffic. And I've, there's a, about so many covers of Feelin' Alright that I came to know about. And I sampled them. And I feel like I really like Joe Cocker's the best because it's fast. It's faster than uh, the original that Traffic did and a lot of the, and then a lot of the other covers. But yeah, this Save Me song is really cool. And I think you should check it out. At number 70, we have Give Me the Night by George Benson. 
This would eventually make it to number four. And there's a really awesome video of this where he's skating and playing the guitar at the same time. It appears to be like on Venice Beach. And this was George Benson's highest Hot 100 appearance, uh, but he does have three other top 10 singles. At number 63, on its way down from peak of number seven is Stomp by the Brothers Johnson. Really love these guys, everything that I've heard of them. It seems like they had so much fun in their playing. And it was two brothers, uh, George Lightning Licks on guitar and Lewis Thunderthumbs on bass. And Lewis was also a big uh, in-demand session musician. I hope we have more of theirs to feature uh, as the summer goes on. At number 60, we have Russ Ballard with On the Rebound. This would eventually get to number 58. And Russ had started out in the band Argent, which you may know from Hold Your Head Up, and then he went into songwriting. And he's closely associated with Kiss, but his songs have been done by a wide variety of artists. And this one, I love the sound of it. It's cool. I can remember hearing it other times we've been through 80. And uh, the only thing I will say against it is the cover art of it is awful, but the song is really cool. Russ also wrote another song on this chart uh, from Roger Daltrey's solo. At number 47, we have Player with their song It's For You, and Player known, of course, for Baby, Baby Come Back. And this one feels also feels very yachty. Um, it was not rated on Yacht or Yacht, but a different song from this album was. And I learned that Player was a British and American group that formed in Los Angeles. At number 41 is A Lover's Holiday by the group Change. That would eventually make it to number 40. And I read up on these guys that said that they had a system where the songs were written and all the instruments was done were done in Italy, uh, in Bologna, Italy. And then the songs were taken to the studio in the United States and the vocals were added by American singers. And Luther Vandross was involved with this group, but I don't believe he sings on this one. At number nine is Jermaine Jackson with Let's Get Serious. And I just happened to hear this one on the VJ Big Suit show and it really stuck with me. It was co-written, produced, and has vocals from Stevie Wonder. And it really has that great kind of 80s sound from him. It reminds me a lot of Do I Do. So if you like that one, check this out. And last from the 80s is Olivia Newton-John with Magic from the Xanadu soundtrack. This will go on to hit number one. And I think I've gained a true appreciation for the song Magic when it was used in an episode of the HBO series The Leftovers. And it made me realize how what a great song it is. And we also have another Xanadu song on the charts, uh, ELO at number 16 with I'm Alive, which opens the film. Xanadu was a movie that just had such a terrible reputation, I assumed I would hate it. And then when I finally watched it, I really loved it. It had a lot of fun. So you should always, I've said this before, you should always try for yourself and decide for yourself. Well, that's all from me for this week. Thanks for listening. Back to you, Andy. Thank you, Rachel. Awesome, awesome charts this week. I wouldn't think I'd identify more with the 71 chart than I would with the 80 chart. Uh, Mozart? <laughs> Mozart on the charts in 1971. That's wild, right? Could that ever happen again? Maybe if Mozart, you know, they used a Mozart song in Stranger Things. I think that's the only way <laughs> maybe that could happen again. And uh, Rachel mentioned that Bee Gees documentary. It is very good. Uh, I love music documentaries. Uh, that one was 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 wonderful. Uh, Tommy James on there. I, as a kid, I loved Tommy James and the Shondells. And uh, Tommy had the greatest hits. Awesome, awesome stuff. The the song from Anchorman. The uh, Treat Her Like a Lady from Cornelius Brothers and Sister Rose. That Anchorman soundtrack. If you can track it down, like on on like a, in a physical format. I don't know if it's like this on the Spotify 
you know, if it, it exists, I don't even know if it's on Spotify, but the Anchorman soundtrack is amazing. It, it has bits like Ron Burgundy bits in between the songs that are completely separate from the movies, uh, movie rather, I should, well, movies, you know, there were two of them, but the, that first Anchorman movie, there's even a song, I think they, they play a, um, a sad song and he literally cries. <laughs> Will Ferrell in the Ron, Ron Burgundy character cries over the entire song. It's so, so funny. Uh, shoot. And, and, uh, Blondie's Atomic. Yeah. Anytime I hear that song, I think of that, that scene from Train Spotting. You, you know the one I mean. I, I won't <laughs> get too graphic, but, uh, but, uh, hot, hot stuff. Very, very cool. Excellent. Excellent job, Rachel. Thank you so much for for that segment. This has been episode 237 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Our theme song is Walrus Love by Nokia Ocean. You can find that song and more at pizzapuppies.bandcamp.com. My name is Andy Mascola. You can purchase my novels via Amazon and other online book retailers in both paperback and ebook formats for as little as $1.99. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you, Rachel from Des Moines. We love you. Peace.